Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. Well, welcome everyone to Revival Cry. This is your host, Eric Miller. I have a special guest with me here today, someone that you have heard from before, my buddy, Ken Pounders. And I'm glad to be here, brother. So awesome to have Ken with me here. We are in Italy for uh, about 10 days or so, and we're holding a conference called the Doorkeepers of Revival. And myself, Ken Pounders, Paul Schaefer, who's a missionary that's been here for 47 years oh, praise God. in Italy, and our good buddy Keith Collins, who's going to arrive tonight. Yeah, He's had a delay, but he'll be here tonight in the name of Jesus. But we are here to just talk about evangelism in the morning. We're talking about discipleship in the afternoon and revival meetings at night. And we've seen God do some wonderful things so far in the meetings. But I have a topic in mind today that recently came up with a pastor friend that questioned if tongues is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm really interested to dive into this with you. You've been an evangelist for decades now. You've traveled to well over 20 nations. You have discipled men, you and your wife, Sonia, for what? How many years now? Well, I mean, as far as being the director there, it's been about, well, seven officially, about nine, but I've been doing it since I came to Jesus. I was discipled. Right. Then I started discipling other young men. So I've been doing it for 40, 40 years. And so you're preaching in churches. You're hearing people talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. You've talked on the baptism of the Holy Spirit a lot. So have I. But there are a lot of people that are not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit right. much anymore. And I honestly am very surprised by that. Yeah. Because I even don't Pentecostal see churches even that, Pentecostal, that aren't talking about it. It's churches that say this is one of the tenets of our faith. Yeah, This is what we believe, and yet most people don't even know why they believe what they believe anymore. So tongues as the initial evidence when... Well, well let's first talk about what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, I mean, just by definition, baptism is immersion. Right. So it's to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Yes. Um, and actually, I believe that that means you're saturated. That that the Holy Spirit is now flowing through you out of right. your, out of your belly or your innermost being. Yeah. Will flow rivers of living water is what Jesus said. So I believe that that is that. Yeah. 
There's a river. I've heard somebody say when you get saved, it's like a fountain of living water welling up within you, what Jesus said uh, to the woman at the well. And then later what you're saying is that when the baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place in your life, you're immersed in his presence and his power, that it's like a river comes from you. Right. And when this encounter takes place, is it... Can non-believers have this, or is it only for Christians? It's only for Christians. So you must be born again. You must be born again. And from my perspective on Scripture, initially, when you when you are when you're born again, when you come to Christ, um, you receive the Holy Spirit. You you uh, the Holy Spirit is imparted to your life. Right. But it's pretty clear to me from Scripture. Now, of course, there's people that will argue the opposite. But sure. pretty clear to me from Scripture that then there is a subsequent, that we're told to wait until we're baptized in the right. Holy Spirit, to we're immersed. And, you know, having followed that, that you see in the book of Acts, you and I both experienced that. Yeah. And it's one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced is to be filled Right, the Holy Spirit, and that and that Greek word means to be clothed with power from on high, and we even see Jesus at his water baptism have a type and a shadow of what was to come, the baptism of the Holy Spirit when he is baptized by John in water, and he comes out of the water, he has the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, you know, come upon him, yeah. and. I think it's important that if this was important for Jesus to demonstrate that for us, and then he talks so much about the Holy Spirit coming, it's better for you that I go away so that the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, would come. And having this encounter, we need to understand that it's not only valuable, but how it takes place and what is the purpose of it. You know, in Acts 1-8, a scripture that's quoted in most Pentecostal charismatic churches, Jesus said to his disciples after he has risen from the dead, now they're born again, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Sounds like a movement of a river. Right. But he says... This power that comes upon you, that you're clothed with, that it will give you this momentum and this empowerment to go to places and see things happen that would not normally happen if you were just born again. And and I, I don't want to say just born again, but but like I am telling you, you need to have this. He told this to his disciples and they were there in the upper room. We read about in Acts 2, where the Holy Spirit comes down the day of Pentecost, and they begin to speak with other tongues. Now, in Scripture, there's different times we read about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, specifically in the book of Acts. Was tongues always the evidence of them being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Um, well, here's what you got. When you go through the book of Acts, you will have every, every time where it talks about them being filled with the Holy Spirit, it talks about them speaking in tongues, except one. Right. And in that one instance, it says we 
saw them receive the Holy Spirit just as we did. Right. Um, and the word there, it's like not literally seeing with your eyes, it's observing. Yeah. So with my with our senses, we perceived that they had received the Holy Spirit the same way we did, which yeah. the implication is that they spoke in tongues because exactly. that's how they received it. So they observed the same behavior from these guys. Right. And I know, you know, there's people that that becomes controversial to them or whatever. Um, I don't think anybody's trying to imply that that's all it is. Right. That it's just speaking in tongues. It certainly isn't. Yeah. Um, it's much more than that. Um, I, again, with the exception of my salvation, being filled with the Holy Spirit was one of the most life-changing things that's ever happened to me. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I came to the Lord. I was a drug addict. My life is out of control. I got radically saved. Right. Um, you know, the very the first night that I gave my life to Jesus, I knew I was transformed. Yeah. That, you know, he was knocking on the door of my heart. When I surrendered to him, he set me free from addiction. Absolutely. Um, and then I got this bright idea to read my Bible. <laughs> And so I literally, I don't even know. Somebody must have said to me, start, you know, start with the Gospels and read right. straight through the New Testament. So I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I started reading the book of Acts. Hmm. And when I began to read the book of Acts, see, let me qualify this. As a child, I grew up in a denominational church that basically taught that that, that had all passed, passed away, away, that the Holy Spirit was not for today. Which we call cessationism. Right. And so as I began to read the book of Acts, um, I began to see that what I'd been taught was wrong. Yeah. That there's nowhere that it talks about ceasing. In fact, you actually have to do a theological construct to come up with that. To dispensationalize it, to right. move it to a different era that's not for today. Right. And so, uh, you know, as I began to read the book of Acts, I saw that the promise is for you and for your children <laughs> and for your children's children. So and good. even as many as are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to oh, himself. Yeah. And so this is the stuff I began to see in the book of Acts. And I started saying, God, I want all that you got for me. I want everything. Right. And so I began to seek God for the baptism of the Spirit, to be immersed yes. in the Spirit. And to be honest with you, Eric, I got initially disappointed, like mm -hmm. nothing happened. And <laughs> I would anybody that came around that, that seemed to know anything about the Holy Spirit, I was literally like a leech. I would grab yeah. them and, you know, just suck out of them whatever they could tell me about the Holy Spirit. And I kept seeking. And finally... After three months, pr probably pushing four months, mm -hmm. I just kind of decided, um, apparently it's for everybody else, but not for me, wow. or it's just not time. And I really just kind of pushed it to the back burner. Yeah. And I was sitting in church on a Sunday night. Think about that, church on Sunday night. We don't <laughs> do that anymore. Right. Um, but I, I was sitting in a Sunday night service. And I don't even remember what the pastor preached on that night. It wasn't the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Right. But he, he preached something, then he opened the altar, and nobody went to the altar. I'm sure you've been in services like sure. that, where there's nobody going, and they keep singing the song that they're singing, and it's just like pressure what building are we up. Right. And, and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. Wow. And he said, 
if you'll go to the altar, I'll, I'll fill you. I'll baptize you wow. in the Spirit. And I thought, God, I was just a young believer. I thought, God, I can't. In fact, I was actually in, in Outreach Ministries Teen Challenge. So I was in a program. Yeah. So I'm one of the little program boys up there. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I thought, God, nobody's going to the altar. I can't. Right. I can't. And again, God spoke to me and said, go to the altar and I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit. Wow. And again, I was like, God, I can't do it. And then the third time, he started pressing on my heart. And so I literally just kind of dove out into the altar God, because I knew I'm the only one. I'm going to hold up the whole church because yeah. I'm going to be the only one at the altar. <laughs> but I went in and went. And you know that I no more than got in the altar and somebody put their hand on me and said, God spoke to me that he wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Wow. And as soon as they said that, it was like something whirling around right. inside of my spirit. And the next thing I knew, that I, I was immersed in power, and I did begin to speak in other tongues. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was I don't even know how long I was in that altar. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else came to the altar. I don't know how many how long people waited for this young outreach yeah. ministries boy to do whatever was happening right. to him, but it was life-changing for me. Wow. And I'm going to tell you what I saw after that. Um of course, I continued to speak in tongues. Mm -hmm. um, the devil immediately began to try to tell me, "Oh, that's just silliness. That's foolishness, right. gibberish." Yeah, and and but there, also God was speaking to me. Come on, and said, "No, this is powerful. Yeah, and you need to you need to grow in this. You need every yeah. time I move on you, you obey me." Wow. And so I continued down that road, but then I began to notice something that I'd never seen before. And again, I'm just a baby believer, sure. just a little, you know, four months old in the Lord. I started noticing that when I would talk to people about Jesus, they would be fit, they would be visibly affected by what I was saying. Wow. Well, I had talked to people about Jesus before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I didn't notice anything. Yeah. But all of a sudden, I started noticing that I would just be like even brothers in the Lord. Yeah. I'd start talking to them about what Jesus was doing in my life, and I'd look up, and they'd have tears running wow. down their face. Right. And i think, what is happening Where is right that now? coming from? And then when I started getting the opportunity to actually witness to unbelievers, I would see them get arrested yeah. by the Holy Spirit. And again, tears welling up in their eyes. Yeah. And, I knew something is going you know, on here. I, I know people say, well, the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to be a witness. It is. I, I totally agree with that. But in order to cultivate what God has given us, he's given us the word of God and he's given us of his spirit. And the and gifts of the Holy the Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as we're praying in the spirit, and we're meditating on the Word of God, it's going to enrich and empower our lives to be a witness. It's like yeah. fuel for our fire. Yeah. If we say that there's other means to, you know, say this is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit looks like, that here's some other evidence. I, I can't disagree with that. But to me, if we don't talk about tongues from the beginning of the baptism of the Holy Spirit taking place, then when are we ever going to talk about it again? Right. Like, right. why would we bring it up again 
Is it always going to be, well, when you're hungry for it or, or when somebody talks about it? Or, because I'm finding that people aren't talking about it. Right. And people aren't hungry because they don't think that when, some, that when we talk about these things that anything is going to happen. And to me— Well, I think it's more than that. Yeah. I think they're embarrassed. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, here's the thing. We, we are trying to create a Christian culture— now that's popular yes. and likable yeah. and not offensive. Exactly. And so we're trying to eliminate anything and everything that's right. offensive or that people might not like. And that's why we've even, we've basically changed the gospel message and made yeah. it like, oh, he just loves you no matter what you do. Right. Oh, you're so beautiful and wonderful and God loves you so much. <laughs> well, God does love us. Sure. But the gospel is we're dead in our trespasses and sins, and nobody yeah. wants to say that. Right. And the truth is nobody wants to ever mention judgment anymore. Yeah. But the fact is that every one of us are going to give an account of ourselves to God. And if we don't know that, we're it's going to be a rude awakening. Yeah. And then the fact is we cannot live the Christian life effectively no. without the power of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. But that's embarrassing to talk about the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and the right. gifts of the Spirit. As we don't understand that. Right. Well, if you're dealing with God, you're not going to understand everything. Right. And everything's not going to be palatable, and it's not going to necessarily be what you can control. I think one and of I think the things one of the real issues is control that we have sustainable courage in our life because Jesus said that in this world we're going to have trouble, right? Um, but take heart, He's overcome the world. We have to remind ourselves of that, but we also have to remind ourselves that His presence is continually with us. That's why we call ourselves not cessationists but continuationists. That we believe. I will never leave you, forsake you. Now, that's not just knowing that in our minds, but as we pray in the Spirit on a regular basis, we sense the presence of the Lord. It's not all about emotions and feelings, but anybody I know who regularly prays in the Spirit, not people who said, I've been baptized in the Holy Ghost 20 years ago. I spoke in tongues one, one time, you know. I'm talking about people who continually pray in the Spirit on a regular basis. There is a sustainable courage, a sense of boldness, a sense of God's with me, a sense of destiny and purpose and calling in our lives. And I really feel like this is an attack of the enemy to come against the church to devalue what Jesus shed his blood for so that we would not believe that this power is for us. Yeah. Because if it's not and the world's only getting darker, we need the light to get brighter. How in the world are we going to have a purpose to shine for Jesus if we're not standing in his presence on a regular basis, praying, agreeing with heaven? One of the things I love about the gift of tongues is that as I pray in the spirit, I feel like I'm locked in with God praying with me, and I'm agreeing with him. I don't even know what I'm saying, but right. yet I sense my prayer has so much more value and purpose than my own prayer. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, here's the thing. There's it, When you look at the scriptures, and I mean, I, I don't know that we're trying to do a 
a theological right. treatise on this today. Maybe we'll do that sometime. But when you look at the scriptures, there's various um, utilizations of sure. the gift of tongues. I mean, on the day of Pentecost, they there was people from every nation had come to Jerusalem. They actually heard the gospel in their, in own, their own language tongue. as they spoke in other Amazing. tongues. And then we know, you know, according to the the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially in First Corinthians, yeah. that there is the gift of tongues and the interpretation thereof. Yeah. So in with the tongue and the interpretation, there's a message from God. Right. Um, but then we also know that we speak in tongues and we speak mysteries to yes. God. And we know that we pray with the understanding and we pray in the Spirit or yes. in tongues. Right. I actually think there's a couple of ways you pray in the Spirit, but sure. one of them would be praying in tongues. And so for me personally, now I have, I've given a message in a service sure. where it was interpreted. Um, I've, um, but probably the most powerful manifestation of tongues for me is in my personal prayer life, which you're kind of making reference yeah. to. And I think this is what Paul was talking about when he said, you know, he was trying to get the message in tongues thing under control in the Corinthian church, because apparently they must have just been all just blabbing during the service, and there must right. have been all kinds of stuff going on. So he's trying to limit it at the most by right. two or three, and make sure there's an interpretation, all yeah. that. But then he adds in there, hey... I speak in tongues more than you all, yeah. but in a service, I would rather speak these, this, right. you know, so many words with the understanding. So what's he referring to? If he's saying, here's how it should be done in the service, but there's a context in which I do it more than any of you. Sure. So obviously he's talking about his, his own time with God. Yeah. Um, that in, he's praying in the Holy Ghost. And so, this is one of the most powerful manifestations of tongues that I've had in my own life is that once I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I began to speak in other tongues in prayer, I right. often pray in the Spirit. I even do it in church. But now, of course, in church, I try to keep my voice down because I'm not trying to give a message to the sure. church. Right. There's times when I may do that. I sure. may feel like God is moving on me to elevate my voice and give a message and and there be an interpretation. But most of the time, I'm just seeking God for myself, sure. and I'm quietly praying. Edifying yourself. And, and yes, yes, what I find is, and this is what's weird to me, is that I'm actually more edified, built up, encouraged after I pray in the Spirit yeah. than I am when I pray with the understanding. Right. Um, so something is going on spiritually when you flow in that gift, mm. that gift of tongues, yeah, um, that you actually get built up, yeah, more than you do when you just pray what you know to pray. You know, one of the most powerful baptisms of the Holy Spirit, and I've seen thousands of people baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm not exaggerating. In the Philippines, and right. as we travel in different nations, different settings, personal settings, big group meetings, that. It was in our church. Our church in the Philippines now is called Maranatha Family Church. We have a Filipino pastor, uh, Pastor Armin, and his wife, Libol Valdez. Incredible people. They were going through a very difficult season. We didn't know each other. At that point, we already lived in the Philippines for like 11 years. 
and we had never met, which is wild because most pastors in our city, we know a lot of them, but right. we had never met this couple. And I was pastoring a church for eight years, didn't feel led to be the pastor, but thought if I started a church, we'd raise up a Filipino, and in time, I could go and plant other works and all of that. But it never happened in eight years. And then one day, the Lord started speaking to me about starting a fire school of ministry. And I didn't have the confidence to do that because... I wasn't much of a good student in high school, you know, but I did great in, in the ministry school, Brownsville Revival School of Ministry, but still, because I never did anything like that, I didn't have confidence in myself, which is probably the best thing, because I began to pray in the Spirit. Yeah. And as I prayed in the Spirit, I began to feel more and more that the Lord was saying, this is where I'm leading you. So I said, Lord, what do I do with our local church? And he said, close the doors to the church. And it didn't make any sense because most of the people in our church we had seen come to the Lord, disciple them with our team of Filipino leaders. And then I end up meeting Pastor Armin, who had just gone through a church split, who uh, was going through some very difficult situations and we ended up meeting through some common friends and every uh, for three Wednesdays in a row at a Starbucks. We'd have coffee and just talk. And it seemed like God was putting us together. I ended up going to speak at their church every Sunday afternoon for about seven, eight weeks in a row. I speak at my church in the morning. He spoke in his church in the morning. Then we come together in the afternoon. And on the fourth Sunday, I talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I didn't even know if it would go over well. <laughs> you know, I didn't know where they all stood on these things. And anyhow, we saw like a hundred people get baptized in the oh, Spirit. God. And it was so genuine because that church took off in prayer meetings. Fire School of Ministry was birthed. And there are more churches that have connected with their ministry as a network. They've planted other churches. And I think there's about 39, 40 churches now. Wow, praise which, God. Since 2014, I look at that and I go, well, I was struggling in a local church. He was struggling in a local church. But when we prayed in the Spirit and allowed that baptism of the Spirit, that fresh baptism to take over, it was like we jumped in a river and we just went with the Lord. Yeah. And I, what are some experiences that you have seen of people having the baptism of the Holy Spirit that you've been involved with that were just you know that's where God took over and just moved things forward and incredible testimonies came forth. Well, let me put it this way. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, we don't have a lot of time here, but sure. you know, of course, you know, I direct Outreach Ministries of Alabama, right. which is where I came to the Lord years ago. And so we work with young men coming out of addiction. These are guys that can convince me that they're sick of how they're living. They're tired of their uh, uh, way of life in addiction. Right that they need Jesus and they want to learn a new way of life. They want to learn yeah. how to live it out for Jesus. So we take them for one year and we disciple them. Well, let me tell you this. I've, over the years, been watching to see the guys that go out and make it, which is actually the majority of our guys. When yeah. they finish the program, they tend to do very well, but they don't all do well. But most of them that finish do. But Another common denominator of those that do well is they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wow. And the guys that resist it and won't, um, mm. they tend to not do well. 
They get out and they end up right back in the same old patterns Mm -hmm. of life um, because you need power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And, you know, here's the thing. We're called to be witnesses. Right. That's the primary reason he leaves us on earth. If we weren't going to be his representatives on earth, he might as well just rapture us as soon as we get saved. Get us out of this mess where there's no chance of us falling back. Right. But instead, he leaves us here to have impact for him. Yeah. Well, one of the primary ways that we have impact is is through the fullness of the Spirit yeah. and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. They empower us to live out our Christian life and to be a witness to those around us. You know, some people talk about that sometimes they go through dry spells in their walk with God. And I can understand you may not feel things like you normally would or not feel like you're hearing as clearly from God or the word of God seems laborsome to go through and all of that. Maybe you don't have that fresh passion to evangelize people. But I always find that when I pray in the spirit, it fixes my eyes on Jesus again. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Holy Spirit magnifying what Jesus has done. And as we pray in the spirit, we connect with his presence. I I don't feel like I'm going through incredible dry seasons and like God has left me or forsaken me. I mean, and we're we're both. We're constantly on the go. We're in other nations. We're ministering to people. We're traveling. We have our families. We have responsibilities. And yet there's this refreshment. Yeah. There's this sense of peace and joy. We're, We're just out of time right now, but... Listen, I want to encourage you today, friend, that you might be born again, and I want you to know that whether you are or you're not, that there is a power of the Holy Spirit for you. If you surrender your life to God, put sin under the blood of Jesus and say, I need you, Lord, in a fresh new way. He says you can be a candidate to be baptized, to be immersed, as Kenneth said, in the Holy Spirit. So cry out to God. Let him do what he wants to do in your life. And I believe there is fresh rain. There's a fresh outpouring. There's fresh fire from heaven that is available for us as disciples of Jesus. Ken, thank you so much again for being with me today. Praise the Lord. God bless you guys. Look forward to being with you next week. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.